It is one minute past 10. Joining us now, our good friend Al Bat. Good morning, Al, on this hot, hot, humid day in the summer, the end of summer. It's getting there anyway. I went out and walked at the uh, Myrie Big Island State Park yesterday in the shadows, a lot of shade, and was serenaded by uh, uh, barred owls singing back and forth and being hectored by crows a bit in there. But it was a, it was a nice way to... Uh, experience a really really hot day so it was it felt nice out in there in the shade and uh, as i walked along the lake as there usually is there's an ever-present little breeze coming off there so it was it was a nice way to do it so if you got a chance you know our ancestors survived because they had that great ability to find shade and uh, otherwise they wouldn't have made it we were talking, Karen, you and I, about the dog days. I was wondering if it was the dog days of summer were right now because it's so hot and it's just so humid. You know, the cicadas are singing loudly. And you hear people say that expression, dog days of summer. So are we in them or or what exactly is that? I think of uh, July 3rd to August oh. 11th. Okay. The dog days. And uh, that's what all the almanacs call it and everything. I know Finland and... Uh, Oh, I have a friend that worked in Finland for a while, and I, oh, I think they begin on like July 22nd or something in Finland. It's a different, so I'm guessing if different countries use that term at all, they might have uh, different, uh, here, I just saw the note from my friend, July 22nd to August 22nd were dog days oh. in Finland, so... A little bit different than us, but here typically July 3rd to August 11th. But I think you're all right saying dog days anytime gets hot. I was, dog days as a kid was always when your dog was just had to think twice <laughs> about following you on your chores because it was just so hot. You wanted to just uh, lie down in the shade somewhere and just, uh, especially some, uh, we had a black dog for many, many years. And when she would go outside, that sun would she just soak up the sun you'd pet her and she'd be hot (laughs) so i could see why she wanted to just kind of take a little bit easier maybe during those dog days i you know so much goes on that when i'm indoors and there's so many things that can be camouflaged as nothing unless i investigate it (laughs) but i I walked out yesterday in the yard because there's always things to do in the yard that have chores and swallows were sweeping the sky and dragonflies were doing some stunt flying and as the ruler does to other school supplies the ruler is the ruler of school supplies the monarch butterfly ruled the other butterflies of the yard they will chase other butterflies around we always think of them as just a little sweet thing but maybe (laughs) not if you're another butterfly and i have blue jays and cardinals here now they're going through those odd molts that make them look as if they'd uh, oh they'd given themselves a haircut they were self-haircuts. I uh, visited Geneva Lake. Uh, There's a lovely prairie by it and big blue stem, a big blue stem prairie. Big blue stem was as common as sunlight on that prairie. And I held a ladybug in my hand, one of the the old-time ladybugs. And I made a wish. And some believe that the direction that it flies points to where my luck will come. So I'm hoping that'll work for me. Uh, Wild cucumber, it's a native vine. It's like the poor man's kudzu. Green clover worm moths 
Uh, they're gray to dark brown, and they're really numerous. I see at the deck, I sat on the deck last night in the dark and could see them all around the yard light. Uh, the larval forms are found on alfalfa and soybean plants, among other plants. If you observe nature long enough, you will expect the unexpected. I watched a cooper's hawk fly over carrying a snake. Uh, that's not a primary food of a cooper's hawk, but they do uh, partake of them when they have the chance. How big and was the snake they, is what I want to know. How big a snake was it? It looked like a garter snake. Oh. I had to look through binoculars to make sure it was carrying a snake. Uh -huh. I thought, why is it carrying a stick now? <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, maybe the... Maybe the hawk is the Uber driver for a snake that wants to go somewhere, but that turned out not to be the case. But it was a fairly good-sized garter snake. So, uh, you know, if we saw it up close, we would say, oh, that's a big garter snake there. So it was one of those. It wasn't a tiny one. I've uh, examined many holes in the bark of a apple tree here. The holes were all in a line. And that, again, is a yellow-bellied sapsucker that feeds on tree sap. And I know most of us will say, well, he's eating, uh, he's eating from apple trees or maybe pine trees, getting that sap out of there. But they also love birch and apple trees. Do, does it damage on the trees, though? Because I know we had a, a pear or it was an apricot tree that got all full of holes and it eventually died. So I was just wondering, is it harmful to the trees? Uh you know, I'd, you'd say generally not, but it certainly could be because any time there's a wound of any mm -hmm. kind on a tree, it could open it up for uh, disease or insects to get in there. So there's always that possibility, but I would say generally not. Okay. And I'd say that because I really like sapsuckers, so <laughs> even if it weren't true, I'd probably lie about that because I, uh, I like them. Uh, I watch these pelicans on Geneva Lake. There's great, great herds of pelicans, pods, or whatever you want to call them. I always thought briefs would be the perfect name, but I don't know that it is a, a collective <laughs> noun. But cormorants would follow them, and it occurred to me that cormorants consider pelicans to be fish locators. So wherever the pelicans are, the cormorants say, hey, hot dog, there's fish over there, and they fly in and just kind of, they stalk the pelicans in a, in a kind way. Uh, Bald-faced hornets and yellow jackets, uh, we have, our Audubon Club has honeybee colonies, and I stopped one day, and uh, they were battling with bald-faced hornets there. Uh, bald-faced hornets are insect eaters, so they were dispatching some of the honeybees. I think bald-faced hornets and yellow jackets, not that I've been stung by everything, I've never been stung by a cicada killer wasp, but... I think those two provide the worst stings in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're stung by one, folks, and you have any reaction that's kind of moving away from the sting site a little bit, you know, seek medical attention because there's something going on there. Uh, Bald-faced hornet queen is the one. She collects wood fiber to make a gray paper nest that's the size of a football or a basketball suspended from a... Oh, tree branch eaves, some other structure. 
And a lot of folks want to collect those. You see them, it's hard to find a nature center that doesn't have one of those. And the easiest way to collect a nest is to wait until the hornets have abandoned the nest in the fall, and that'd be after the first hard, really hard freeze, or maybe by late October. Hornet nests are annual. They don't reuse them, so they last one summer. And its occupants, except the fertilized queens that leave the nest, the occupants die in the fall. But if you're the cautious kind, and why wouldn't you be the cautious kind? Uh, before, When you're collecting it, slip a large plastic bag over the nest and then tie it shut with one of those little twist ties that we all have a drawer somewhere in the kitchen practically filled with those. It isn't necessary to treat the nest in any way. And the nests make great conversation pieces, and they persist if suspended in a, a dry location where it won't be damaged by handling or vibration. You can bring out one next year at the graduation when we're all back in the full swing of things, and uh, it'll just give people something to talk about while they're eating their ham and cheese sandwiches. Uh, Sandy Kopeshka of Fairmont said in the past years we've had the smaller hawks in our yard this year this guy looks bigger could it be a cooper's hawk it is the same bird as on the pole she sent two photos the hawk spied a dread dead creature first but not too interested later a turkey vulture showed up and was very interested it looks to me sandy like a red tail hawk and it's probably a young red tail hawk and they're just not as i say there's no uh, youtube video for a red-tailed hawk, young red-tailed hawk to watch to learn how to hunt. So sometimes they struggle a little bit and uh, they will make use of carry-on. And that's what it looks like to me anyway there, Sandy. Uh, Craig Mandel said, I was able to spend the afternoon birding in Watonwin County and found lots of migrants. The location that I spent time at were uh, the 320th Street Marsh, Eagles Nest County Park, Oh, I don't know. Fedge, F-E-D-J-E, Lake, and Bergdahl, W-M-A. I don't know if I've ever, I've I probably have, because I've followed all those maps for years, but that Fedge's got me, and I'm probably way off on the <laughs> pronunciation. Uh, Craig said there's also a small flooded area of a field along County Road 15, just north of Medelia, that had a few shorebirds. Here uh, he saw a blue-winged teal. Uh, some with young, Baird's least and semi-palmated sandpiper, alder flycatcher, uh, all five species of swallows with some purple martins. Uh, swallows were observed migrating through the area. Blue-gray gnatcatcher, 13 species of warblers, including ovenbird, northern water thrush, black and white Tennessee, Nashville, magnolia, Blackbirdian, yellow, chestnut-sided, black pole, and Canada warblers. And I saw some little uh, blue-gray gnatcatchers when I was walking at Myrie Big Island, and I, I spent uh, an awful long time looking at them. I just think they're, they're just cute, uh, little lollipop birds, little bird with a long tail. And I did see a number of uh, warblers, of course, Tennessee and Nashville. They seemed to be pretty much everywhere I was looking, as were yellow. So it's a good time to look at some warblers. Uh, Tammy Vogel said, on a bizarre note, and 
I sure Tammy Wonder right. I thought of you right away. <laughs> uh, I had an odd experience yesterday. Was surprised to see the mealworms weren't being consumed. Went over to see what was happening, and yellow jackets are taking them. I cannot believe it. Never seen this before. It's creepy, and yet I couldn't stop watching. Never would I have thought this would happen. Yeah, it's like some of those old shows. Those old, I don't know. Those, they were they were creepy, but they were kind of stupid. Some of those old <laughs> horror movies yes. around. But you just thought, oh yeah, it must. It's going to get better or something, yes. and you just couldn't stop watching it. Uh, Rita Granson uh, was down at Parker's Woods, at the well, Mason City area, and she was looking for warblers. She said, I saw chestnut-sided Wilsons, black and white, and red starts, also a least flycatcher. And I, I saw a lot of red starts yesterday, too, along the water's edge. And what beautiful little birds, candelitas, little candles. And that's the one that a lot of people... Uh, Remind. They look at it and say, boy, it's like a, a small Oriole. Uh, Doug Keezer said, uh, buff-breasted sandpipers in Nicollet County, north of Highway 14. Also present were three American golden plovers, a black-bellied plover, and a few other shorebirds, lots of killdeers, gulls, and ducks. And he saw a red-necked phalarope in Watton County. I love red-necked phalarope. A uh, bazillion years ago, I was on some sort of board for the state Audubon, and we all had to have a, um, a bird name, and you drew it out of a hat, and oh. I was the redneck fellow rope, so I always <laughs> liked them. Got a little card with a picture of it on there, and it was pretty nice. Uh, Chad Heinz, oh, what a good guy, uh, teaches at Bethany he, in Blue Earth County. Uh, it'd be the DOT quarry along, it'd be Highway 68 west of Minneopa State Park. He saw a blue grosbeak, beak, and if any of you get a chance to see one, it's just an incredible-looking bird. We love blue colors in, uh, in nature, and so this is a very nice one to see. Uh, Craig asks, uh, why are moths attracted to lights? Well, we've all heard like a moth to a flame to describe a fatal attraction, and like a moth to a bug zapper. We could we could X out flame and put bug zapper in there. Why do they do that? Scientists aren't certain, and that's the problem with bug zappers. When you put them up, uh, mosquitoes don't have much of a problem with it, but boy, we fry up a load of moths. Uh, one idea... You know, scientists all have theories because that's part of being a scientist. You got to have you got to have ideas. Otherwise, what good are you? Uh, one idea is that some insects use the moon or maybe bright stars as a compass, and the lights resemble the moon or those stars. Or the lights might trick moths into seeing visual illusions of darker areas near the light's edge, and the moths fly towards them because they see them as dark hiding places. I think those bands, they're called mock, M-A-C-H, bands, if I'm remembering correctly. I shouldn't say that because I'm not sure, but I think that's what they're called. Another idea supposes that lights at night blind the moths by swamping the light receptors in their eyes, and this disorients them. Uh, another theory 
says that light sources which emit ultraviolet light attract moths and mistake them for flowers, or infrared radiation from light sources may look like the heat reflection from moth pheromones, uh, chemicals released by insects to attract mates. And we've talked about uh, the Japanese beetles releasing pheromones to say to all the other Japanese beetles, here you go, this is a pretty good place here. So which one of those is true or any of those true? Maybe there's another reason. You, you could have, you know, you could be the one that discovers the exact reason moths are doing these. You could become a moth whisperer and become just uh, famous beyond belief. <laughs> um Somebody said, you and Karen were talking about cicadas. Well, boy, it's hard not to talk about cicadas this time of year. How long do they live? Well, that's a great question. And again, we don't have the 13 or the 17-year cicadas. Some of the periodical cicadas are in Iowa, so they're not all that far away, but they don't seem to be in a hurry to come up here and visit us, and I'm probably all right with that. They are They are vocal, I guess would be a kind way to put it. So we get uh, what we hear primarily are dog day cicadas or annual cicadas, and they hatch from eggs laid in the slit of a tree twig. And the tiny nymphs, they drop to the ground and they, they burrow into the ground, and they'll live from, oh, I, I always used to tell everybody three years, but I think it's probably from like two to five years, so three maybe is kind of an average time in there. And they suck juices from plant roots. And during the dog days of July and August, they claw to the surface, climb a tree, and molt into a winged adult that might live five to six weeks. Uh, the shed skin remains behind while the adults sing and mate. Some adults emerge each year uh, and are most common Oh, and like wooded areas, parks, tree borders, like in our yards and things. So we have them every year, and I I enjoy their company. I can, I look forward to that song, and I don't get a, enough of them uh, in my yard. Uh, I mean, there's always plenty singing. There's a choir, but it's not enough to uh, be irritating and even uh, the widest definition of irritation. And... Uh, Somebody, uh, a, a child asked this one, uh, not a relative, said, uh, my teacher said, earthworms migrate. And they, he kind of said, um, I think she's full of baloney or some words to that effect. But um, he was wondering if it was true. And one sign of spring, uh, if you will remember way back to spring, is the appearance of the first earthworms. And they do migrate. They do a vertical migration. They move deeper into the ground in the fall, below the frost line. And when frost leaves the soil, the earthworms tunnel upward. And they come to the surface when the average temperature of the ground is all around 36 degrees. So, young man, I'm just, uh, I'm appalled that you would think your teacher was incorrect. So I just... uh, I'm sure he will apologize to her and say, hey, here. Of course, he won't have her this year, so he won't have to do that. He's moved on to the next uh, the next grade. But that was a great question, and it's uh, pretty cool that a teacher brings that up because nobody thinks about 
earthworm migration. Mm-hmm. What are they talking about? Because how far can an earthworm move in a, its life? 30 feet, maybe? I don't know how far they move unless they're picked up by a robin and carried away. I don't think they move very far as uh, across the land. Uh, oh, and somebody said you mentioned pod or briefs. Are there any other names for pelicans? I think my uncle called them by a different name. Uh, you know, I hear pod or squadron, and what else do I hear? Scoop, pouch, brief. I think maybe scoop, pouch, and brief are collective nouns that perhaps are used in jests as I use brief. Uh, the American white pelican is a big bird. They have an average wingspan of nine feet. If some of you have gone south in the winter, perhaps, and seen brown pelicans, they, I think theirs is about seven feet. So well, the I, white pelican is... I have a question about the pelicans. You know their beaks are so big. How much would a beak like that weigh? I think you'd need that big wingspan to keep up with all, you know, that that front heavy with your big, big mouth. Yeah, I... I think they have strong neck muscles, don't yeah, you? Yeah, they have uh, to. Boy, it just, uh, it, on tough days, you know, sometimes we have trouble holding our head up on tough days. You just, you know, everybody goes through, you just slump. Maybe at the end of a hard day. And the, ugh. and I'm thinking, those guys out there, it's amazing how they do that. I, I hold that bill around, and I was watching them all on Geneva Lake. And they would uh, feed. They'd all go the same direction, and they just work together. Maybe 200 pelicans, all moving, 250, all moving in this one, not a line, just a, a, a pod or a squadron of pelicans. And they tip up all these. Uh, somebody said, uh, oh, I don't know what you call a pelicanologist, uh, somebody who studies pelicans. <laughs> And they said they could hold two and a half gallons of water in a bill. That's a lot. And I watched these guys, and they would come up this bill you could see was just full of something because it was expanded. And they would kind of tip it to the side like we would a pail when we're watering the livestock. And they would let all the water run out, and then they would swallow everything else. But I... I don't know how much it weighs. I have no idea. And I picked pelicans up, and I will say there's no weight uh, to a pelican. Uh, You look at them and you think, boy, that's a big, big bird, but they don't weigh very, very much. And it's, uh, they're they're beautiful birds with uh, really bad breath. Uh, They just, uh, I have sat in a pickup with them going up to the cities. And it's been a long battle. They're they're not sparkling conversationalists, and they, as I say, they just have bad breath, and they make uh, really odd sounds that uh, I uh, I don't know how to explain those sounds. They I thought first they were just kind of a grunt. They sound like uh, I think hippopotamuses <laughs> sound in those old nature movies. They make sounds like that, and of course they none of them like me, and I I don't blame them because I roughed them up trying to catch them and then carrying them away but i have no idea how much that bill weighs and i have i found a dead one here the other day uh poor thing and i don't know i think he hit the utility wires so i would uh, i missed a golden opportunity to have grabbed that and weighed his bill 
because he was being, uh, I don't know what was eating on this guy, but uh, they were leaving the bill alone, so it had been pretty easy for me to snatch it just long enough. I could have weighed it and then put it back just in case something else would have come along and wanted to eat it. But they are, uh, I think they're really pretty birds, and I get excited because when I was a kid, we'd certainly see them, but not like we do now. So there's just a lot more of them out there to see. You mentioned bad breath. Uh, You know there's a Willie Nelson song that goes... Uh, bad breath is better than no breath at all. And I think that's a really good saying. <laughs> it is a good saying, yeah. Oh, I had a roommate that he, uh, he he didn't always make it to class, so he had time to do things. He would lick the back of his hand and then smell it. Uh, Why? All too often, just to see if he had bad breath. You know, mask now, you can kind of <laughs> kind of do that too, I think, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. See, they're good for something. Yeah, and I, I saw a guy sneeze the other day with a with a mask on. Yeah, so that was that was the first time I'd seen that. Oh, I did this morning. Sneeze. Yeah, and I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> now I've got. Yeah. Well, at least it's only my own germs that I got to deal with. But hey, yeah, because this this guy's eyes got big, sorta, and he looked around and, and said, okay, toddled off. Yeah. See, I got a, a text here from our friend John, and so I want to read that to you, John in New Ulm. He said he heard a cicada with a panic buzz, and I'm not sure exactly what a panic buzz sounds like, but he says he saw a sparrow pecking at it on a street, and uh, two more sparrows wanted to share. So the first blue bird flew off with it, buzzing in its beak. I guess that would be a good reason to have a panic buzz, and I'm not sure exactly what that sounds like, but, yeah, if somebody's pecking on me like that, I would too. Yeah, and I picked them up, and they make that odd buzzing like uh, some little toy that I, oh. I don't know what it was, but I have recollections of some kind of little toy made buzzing sounds like that. So, uh, And um, I prob- I'm sure I told everybody that one, I was walking, and something hit me in the chest, so I grabbed it. And then these two cicada killer wasps, one flew by on each side, and I thought, oh, I hope I didn't grab a wasp here. And I looked, and it was a cicada, and oh. he made that buzzing sound like a, oh, maybe a little bit like, you remember joy buzzers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those handshake things, <laughs> and uh, oh, humor was sure different in those days. You'd put it in the palm of your hand, and you'd shake somebody's hand and go, and, yeah. uh, it was uh, if if you have one of those, it's probably a collector's item or an antique. You can take it on on the road show, the antique road show, and probably get some money for it. But a little bit like that, they make a buzzing and and house sparrows. Oh, you gotta love house sparrows, man. If it's edible, they will eat it. They're just uh, there's a reason they do pretty well in life is they are opportunist and uh, as I. As I say often, I see them flying into the grills of large pickups <laughs> yeah. and plucking grilled things off the radiator and flying out with them. And uh, they're the only birds, I'm sure there's probably other ones that do that, but they're the only ones I see flying in there and doing that. So they've figured it out, and I'm sure they're passing it on to their kids saying, these big things are the best restaurants if you really like grilled food. I hope everyone is uh, doing doing well today. It's uh, it's going to be a hot day, so mm-hmm. be careful. I, I remember bailing. You know, 
Back in the days when everything was nearly copacetic, we made hay and ground feed on days like this because uh, they were. Uh, this was kind of the doldrums where you had time to do things like grind feed, and we had to make hay when when you could make hay. And not all of the hay went into the barn, nor did all the feed go into the granary. A lot of it went down my neck, where it oh. became this incessant itch. Yes. And I was thinking that the other the other day. I still have an itch to travel, to go places and make a triumphant return to fanfare at my humble abode. Yet, I welcome being homebound. I accept the limits of a world out of joint, and I'm happy just to be somewhere. But I did move slightly on the map the other day. I went to St. Olaf Lake just to have a walk around. And I encountered my neighbor, Still Bill. Uh, he's called that because he makes more dust than miles. You all know somebody like him. He was fishing, and he'd worked up a smile and was sitting on a deluxe camp chair, as he believes comfort isn't worth half doing. I said, well, how are you? And he said, about 73%. And I said, catching anything, which is taking a double meaning during this time. And he said, uh, Still Bill said, if I catch two more, I'll have two. Uh, still, Bill, you need to drive stakes by him to see if he's moving. And then he said uh, one of his favorite sayings, this is nice, but it ain't Mayberry. Uh, still, Bill's a grain farmer, so he is. I was at one time for a little while, and he's in the doldrums. The crop is in, and he's waiting for harvest to begin. And he's okay waiting as he's strong on stop and weak on go. Remember, folks, heartless while we're driving past, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. And thank you, Karen, as always, for your exquisite company. And my wish for you is uh, that you don't have to sneeze into your mask again. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Al. Hey, always great to chat with you. We'll be back again with you next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Our good friend Al Bat. It is 1031 and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on a very, very warm day. In fact, there is a heat advisory out that goes into effect from 1 to 7 this evening. Right now we are heated up to 83. Today's high will be in the 90-something, but it will feel like, because of the heat uh, advisory, the, the humidity will feel more like in the 95 to 100 degree and uh, pretty much all of our listening area on into west central wisconsin as well and the impacts of course hot temps and high humidity may cause